today, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and uh, it's been a busy week this week, uh, it's real busy, uh, school starting and so many students, and we're so blessed by that, but it's been so busy that we've had to shift some things around. In fact, Kendall got a phone call this week, he had to answer the phone in the office, and he picked it up and said, East Columbus Christian Church, this is Kendall, may I help you? And the guy on the other end said, yeah, I want to speak to the head hall, get the trough. And... Uh, Kendall's like, I'm not sure I know what you're talking about. And the guy said, yeah, I want to I speak to the head hog at the trough. Kendall thought for a minute, and he said, um, if, you, if you mean Ron Bridgewater, our senior minister, um, that's really not a very nice way to refer to him. He's, he's an educated man. He's been at this church for 18 years, been in the ministry for 30 years. You really ought to address him with more respect than that. And the guy said, I'm, I'm really sorry, no disrespect. That's just, I'm from the country. That's the way I talk. Kendall said, no problem. What, what do you need? He said, well, he said, here's the deal. He said, uh, he said, I just sold a bunch of farmland and I want to tithe to the church off of the farmland that I, that I sold. And Kendall said, hold on just a minute. I think the big pig just walked in. <laughs> so that is not true. That is not a true story at all, but uh, I thought it was fun. Uh, we're continuing our, our series on taking God at His Word, particularly in this area of giving of our finances. Last week, we talked about the five motivations for giving, and we learned that the greatest motivation that we can have for giving is out of worship. It's just because of who we are, that we just want to give to the Lord. Today, we turn our attention to the fact that there is joy in being generous. There's joy in giving to the Lord like this. And again, we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 5, and uh, it's going to show us how we might learn to do that. Uh, I heard another story, uh, maybe you've already heard about the sideshow strongman. He was exhibiting his, his great strength one day uh, at, at, the, at the big festival, at the big carnival that they were having. And, and as his final trick, he, he walks up to the stage and he takes a lemon and he squeezes it uh, until every last drop is out of the lemon. And then he said, I will give $100 to anyone who can come up here and can squeeze any more out of this it's limited. If you can just get one more drop out of it, I'll give you $100. And several big husky men walked up to the stage, and they tried, and they're squeezing out, they're squeezing on it. But to no avail, wimpy little guy comes forward, and he took the lemon in his hand, and to the delight of the audience, he managed to squeeze one more drop from the lemon. The strong man said, I don't understand how in the world these big guys are trying to do it. They couldn't do it. But you, looking like you, you walk up here and you do this. You, you manage to get one more drop out of it. He said, well, I've been a church treasurer for 30 years now, and uh, so I know how to do things. He, uh, speaking of church treasurers, right? Uh, Dan sent me this cartoon uh, for this series. He thought I might want to share it with you, and I do. Next time I preach on tithing, don't sing Jesus paid it all. Uh, as the invitation song. And so uh, we want you to know that, that giving to the Lord is something that is, is, re, is, is required of us, but not out of religious obligation like we talked about last week. Spencer, I appreciate you not choosing that song this morning. Instead, we went with I Surrender All. That's a great one. Um, and while we're not in financial trouble in this church in any way, there are many churches who do struggle. In this area of giving, there are many churches who struggle to pay uh, the bills. They struggle to do anything outside of the church to expand the kingdom. Um, they struggle with uh, starting programs that will enable their evangelism to be better, their discipleship to grow. 
They struggle to do what God is wanting them to do. And so churches who struggle in this area, they do so for a variety of reasons. But one of the most common factors is that they have lost, or maybe perhaps they have never known, the joy of giving. They've never known the joy of being generous. And the main truth that I want to get across to you today is not just that giving is something that God wants us to do, or even that it's something that is needed, even though those things are very true. But I want to leave you here today with the understanding that giving to God is enjoyable. And it's not enjoyable in the sense of like, you know, like watching a movie or going to a ball game or hanging out with friends. Not, that's not what I'm talking about. It's enjoyable because it brings this, this sense of peace. It brings this sense of joy that we know that we're giving to something. We're contributing to something that is so satisfying and so purposeful and so right that we can't even fully measure how beneficial it is in this life. We're not going to know until we get to heaven just how beneficial our generosity is to the kingdom of God. And so there's very, uh, some very specific reasons that giving brings us joy, and I want to share those with you. And again, they're going to come from 2 Corinthians 8, as I said. And this is an example of the Macedonian church. This is what they did. We're using that as our example today, and I think it's a good example for us to follow. So follow along with me on the screen, uh, beginning in verse 1. Now, Paul is writing to the church of Corinth. He says, now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles and they are very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more, and they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift of the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to do. So here's the first thing that I think we need to understand. I am giving. If if we choose to give to the Lord, I am giving because I live by faith. Down through the years, I have learned that God promises to meet our needs If we trust him, sometimes he goes above and beyond meeting our needs and even tacks in some extra blessings along the way. And and my giving or my lack of giving is directly tied to the level of faith that I have in God to live up to his promises that he's going to bless us like he said he did. And I don't want this to be our motivation. I I don't want to sound, uh, you know, sound all uh, prosperity gospel on you here. If you give more, God's going to bless you more. But it is true. It's very true. That should not be our motivation, but it is certainly a, a factor. It is a byproduct of us being generous to the Lord. And when I'm living by faith, my joy is going to be expressed in the following ways. It's this way. First of all, faith gives generously. You know, we, do, we, don't just, we don't just give because we have to give. We give generously. I heard about a wealthy man who died and went to heaven. He and St. Peter are walking down the streets of gold. They come up to a mansion, and the man, he points to this big old mansion. He says, is that one mine? And St. Peter said, no, that one's not yours. Follow me. I'll take you to yours. They walk a little bit farther on. They get to the next mansion, and, and uh, he says, is that one mine? He said, no, 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 that's not yours either. But just stay with me. We'll get to yours in just a little bit. It's not far now. Finally, they round this bend. They go down the road, and they come up on this tiny shack. And St. Peter said, here's your home. 
And the guy said incredulously, you mean this is all that I get? This is my house? This is where I'm going to live for all of eternity? And St. Peter looked at the man, simply said, well, I did all I could with what you gave. You know, I, I don't think we really understand. And, and not, that, not that our giving to the Lord is going to give us a bigger mansion in heaven, but what kind of kingdom can we build with the amounts that we are giving? You know, I don't think God is going to allow you to live in a bigger house if you give more, or he's going to cause you to live in a tiny shack if you give less. But it does kind of illustrate, what are we building? What are we building here? What kind of kingdom can we build down here with the amounts that we are giving to the Lord? Notice what the Macedonian church did. In 2 Corinthians uh, 8-2, it says this, they are being tested by many troubles, and they are, look, look at it, very poor. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. Now, this equation doesn't make any sense, does it? Many troubles plus abundant joy plus extreme poverty equals rich generosity. Most of us don't look at it that way, Right? Most of us don't look at it like, okay, I got all this stuff going on, and I know I don't have all of this money, and so uh, I've got these troubles in my life, and so I'm going to withhold, I'm going to keep for myself what I think I need to have. But the Macedonian church is saying, listen, even in spite of these troubles, even in spite of the extreme poverty, I am abundantly, joyfully giving to the Lord. And that makes sense when you understand what it means to give in faith. You give in faith. You're not giving out of necessarily what you look at your checkbook. And you say, okay, this is what I think I can give. You're giving in faith that God is going to bless what you're doing. And he, you're not going to want for anything. Faith gives sacrificially as well. You know, we're just reading that these people were suffering from severe trials in their, in their lives. Right? They're going through severe trials. They are going through persecution. They don't know where their next meal is coming from. They don't know if they're even going to live throughout the day. They're in extreme poverty. Yet they gave in a generous way, even though they had little themselves. They gave because of their faith in God. They were willing to sacrifice to help others, even though they were the ones who needed the help. And verse 4 informs us that they begged us. Listen to this. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. It's impossible to see giving as a privilege. It's impossible to see it as an act of joy until we learn to give in faith that God's going to take care of us and is going to bless our giving. I don't know of it. This has never happened. I've been, in, I've been in the ministry for 30 years. This has never happened. No one has ever come up to me and said, Ron, will you please take up another offering? It's never happened. I have not had one person come up to me and beg me to give in a generous way. But this was the, and I'm not saying you need to be that way, but this was the mindset of that church. And, and I can say, okay, here they are, and, and where are we? And let, let's just strive to be a little more like, like this and understand that, man, it, it, feel, it, it, it doesn't only uh, give us joy, but it feels good to know that we're helping someone. Right? And we've got to trust that God's going to take care of us. Just like we're trying to uh, take care of, of some folks that are in need, God's going to take care of us. 
And so we give generously, we give sacrificially, and faith gives supernaturally. When I belong to Jesus Christ, right, I might have to continue to live in the natural world for a while, but I belong in the supernatural world. My faith is not in the things that I can see and taste and touch and feel. My faith is somewhere else. My faith is in a God that transcends the natural. And so when we look at maybe the money that's coming in to our accounts or, or maybe the things that have been entrusted to us, we start that up and say, no, there's no way I can give to that. But when we understand that God's economy is completely different than ours and that he's got our best interest in mind and he's going to take care of us and that transform our, our thinking into uh, what can we do for the kingdom, right? He's not ruled by anyone. He's not ruled by anything but himself. And to, to find joy and generosity means I'm willing to team up with God in the supernatural realm. To go above and beyond my own thinking about these kinds of things. And believe that he can provide for me. Even though I don't know how he's going to do it. You know, we talk about this all the time. You know, the birds of the air, the flowers of the field. God takes care of them. And us, the crown jewel of his creation. How much more will he care for us? If we trust in him. Verse 3, for I can testify, this is Paul again saying, I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it all of their own free will. So how can you, get, how can you do that? How could they do that? How can you give above your own ability to give? It's when you faith, place your trust in, in God's ability, when you, when you have faith in His ability and not your own. You know, faith is not acting on what you already know is possible. It's on believing and you're able to do something with God's help and believe that something that you couldn't do in your own can be done with Him, right? It's only faith when it involves something that you don't think can be done. And it can only be accomplished with God in the picture. That's the type of faith that I think God is wanting us to have sometimes when we give to Him. Now, the second reason I think we can have joy is this. I'm giving because I see the big picture. I get it. I see the big picture. I understand what God is doing. How many of you like to see those, uh, uh, those satellite pictures that NASA provides sometimes? You, do you like to see those? Isn't it just interesting to look at those and, and just see all of the incredible things that we can see from these satellite pictures? It, it gives us a completely different perspective of what our earth looks like when we're looking at it from up there, doesn't it? I think they're pretty cool. It helps us to have a better understanding of what our world looks like as a whole. I think sometimes our lives are like that. I, I think we have sometimes a difficult time dealing with the here and now because we're so caught up in what we're doing. And because we're so caught up in what we're doing, we miss the bigger picture. And I think that happens in this area of giving as well. Sometimes we get bogged down on details. I have people ask me this all the time. Well, how much do I have to tithe? That's an Old Testament uh, principle. I don't have to do that now, right? So how much, when, where? And those are all important things to know. But sometimes we lose. When we get caught up in those details, we lose the joy of generosity because we're missing the view from space. We're missing the way that God sees it. We see it down here on our level, and we don't see it from God's perspective. Because here's the deal that we need to understand. Giving is not about problems, 
but priorities, right? That's what the Macedonian church was getting into. What was the biggest problem that the Macedonian church has faced, right? Extreme poverty, extreme. That, that's, that, that's a lot. That's big. That, that, that's bad. If anybody had reason not to give, it's this church. It was them or these churches, the Macedonian churches, all of them. But they didn't allow their problems to keep them from reaching their full potential. Here's the deal, guys. If we use problems as an excuse not to give to the Lord, we're never going to give because we're always going to have problems, right? There's always going to be demands on our time. There's always going to be demands on our abilities. There's always going to be demands on our families. There's always going to be the threat of an economic downturn. There's always going to be the threat of gas prices soaring through the roof. There's always going to be the threat of somebody being in office that we don't like. And we're worried about how that's going to affect our economy and all this sort of thing. And the enemy, Satan, he's just sitting back. And he's just saying, all right, you need another reason? Here's another reason not to give. You need another reason not to give? Here you go. But when our problems start to control our generosity, we limit God's ability to bless us, to partner in the work that He's called us to do. Also, giving is not about wealth. It's about willingness. It's not about how much. It's about your willingness to give to Him. Even though the churches that we read about, they were experiencing deep uh, poverty, extreme poverty, as we said, they begged for the privilege of helping out. They flat out begged for the privilege. The joy of generosity has nothing to do with how much you have, has nothing to do with how much you give. It has everything to do with what you do with what you have. What has God entrusted to you? What are you going to trust Him with in this area? Remember what Jesus said about the poor widow? Remember that story in Luke chapter 21, verses 3 and 4? The woman, everybody else is dropping in these big amounts of money and bragging about it. And this old lady comes up, drops in a couple coins. And, and, and uh, Jesus said this, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the rest of them. For they have given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has gained or has given everything that she has. Again, verse 2 of our text, the Macedonians, they gave out of extreme poverty. What was the result of that? It welled up in rich generosity. See, it's not about wealth. It's about willingness. And giving is not about obligation, but it's about opportunity. Again, verse 4, they begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. Now, church, you're, you are, this church is they're wonderful givers. You all are wonderful wonderful givers. I love you all dearly. And like I said before, I, I've, I've never had any of you beg me to come up and take another offer. And I have had people say, you know, we might consider, would you, or would the church consider taking up a special offering for this cause or that cause or whatever. And I have seen time and time again, when a certain cause arises, this church really comes through and we really give and we're really, really generous, right? And when we start to see things from God's perspective, we're going to eagerly await the time when we have the opportunity to give even more to the Lord's work and to take that uh, uh, that God has entrusted to us and joyfully return part of that to Him. Because here's the deal. Giving is not about legalism. It's about lordship. 
We talked about that a little bit last week. In our text today, in verse 5, we learn that they gave themselves first to the Lord. Okay? They gave themselves. And it doesn't even talk about the, the money yet. They're, they, they're talking about just they give themselves and then to us in keeping with God's will. And that's where it all starts. When you give yourself to Jesus first, giving to help those in need, including the church that Jesus died for, is no problem whatsoever. When you settle the matter of who's Lord of your life, you stop griping about the small stuff and you begin to live a life of celebration. We don't worry about whether people are clapping or raising their hands in the service or saying amen or whether we sing all hymns or choruses or whether we stand or sit or kneel. We don't focus anymore on the minimum amount of money God requires of us. When Jesus is the Lord of our lives, we want to know how much, not how little. And the third thing that I think we need to understand is that I'm giving because I grasp the vision. I'm in line. I, I, I see what, what God wants to do in this place, and I grasp that vision, and I want to I be a part of it. I'm giving because I grasp the vision. Did you know, according to one survey, Christians number 33% of the world's population and that 33% of the world's population receives 62% of the world's annual income. And we spend 97% of it on ourselves. And 2% to global Christianity. No wonder the world's turned off by Christianity sometimes. We don't put our money where our mouth is sometimes. And these kind of statistics remind us that our credibility is suffering when we talk so boldly about spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, but we're unwilling to do what it takes to get the job done. And we've given sometimes as a nation, as a world, so pitifully to fully extend the kingdom like God wants us to. Proverbs chapter 25 verse 14 says a person who promises a gift but doesn't give it is like clouds and wind that bring no rain. When I live in the joy of generosity, when I grasp God's vision, God's plan for the world, for his local church, for me as an individual, and I clearly see what God is doing, that's, that's when I really want to partner and I want to be a part of that. When I can clearly see what God is doing. God is always giving us visible reminders of his work here on earth. And when we see it on a global scale, when we hear about the salvations that are taking place in Iran... That's, in, in Iran, that's one of the fastest growing churches in the world. Another one not far behind it is China. And then we see what God is doing in other parts of the world like South Korea and even in pockets of the United States that you didn't think would ever be open to the gospel. We see it. And we hear about things that are going on in local churches at the, at the, at the local level on so many different levels. We've had an incredible year so far here at East Columbus Christian. It's been amazing. We've had a lot of new members. We've had a lot of baptisms this year. Uh, I don't know of a lot of churches that, and schools that in the middle of a pandemic, you start a building program and then that money just starts flowing in and you guys have given tremendously and done a great job. And we're sitting here today with over half a million dollars in the Thrive expansion. That's pretty remarkable. That's God, right? <laughs> we're having so many new people. Uh, checking out our services, which is great. 
Uh, some of them are even choosing to stay, which is even better. And, and people are watching us online. Uh, people that we don't even know. People in other countries are watching us online. We have an enrollment at the school of 354 students. Is that where we're at now? 350? Three what? 361. Wow. I didn't know that. Usually we go the other way at the beginning of the school year. And <laughs> we're going, we're going up. Oh, that's good. 361 students in the school. And I'm not asking you if you're seeing what, what Kendall's doing or what I'm doing or what the rest of the staff is doing or what the elders are doing or what even you guys are doing as a membership. I'm asking you today, are you seeing what God is doing in our midst? Because I think he's doing something special. He's doing something special in our midst. And when we see that, when we grasp that vision, we can't help but give. And we also grasp the vision because I know it's going to have an impact on the future. The joy of generosity comes when I know that God will use me and he will use my gifts to impact the kingdom of God both now and in the future and for all eternity. I don't know about you, but I want to leave a, a spiritual legacy for my kids and their kids and their kids if Jesus chooses to not come back then, if God decides to withhold Jesus' return. I, I want to see that. I want to see that legacy continue. I don't, want, I don't care about that. I don't care if they know my name. I don't care about that. I want to see the spiritual legacy in the future, right? Every dollar that I give, now I'm starting to sound like an infomercial. You know? Shouldn't there be some like, uh, um, like 90s music in the background, acoustic music playing, and, and uh, I'm, I'm sounding like an infomercial. But every dollar that I give um, can help someone draw closer to Jesus. Have you thought about that? Every dollar I give can help someone draw closer to Jesus. And it also sets an example of those, to those people around me. Every dollar that I give is paving the spiritual streets of God's future for His kingdom. And it, it should, I take great joy in knowing that I, God even allows me to be a part of it. And I offer myself as an offering to God. That's the... Next thing that we need to understand. That's how it all starts. I offer myself as an offering to God. As we talked about last week, back when we used to pass the offering plates. Just set it on the floor. Jump in the plate. Say, God, I give myself to you. Everything that I have, everything that I am, everything that I have is yours. Romans 12.1 says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that He's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. I like what the message paraphrase says. So here's what I want you to do. This is Paul saying to the Roman church, here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. And so I grasp that vision of what God is doing and I offer myself to Him. Then it's not my money anymore. It's His. And it's only then 
do we begin to understand what God wants us to do and transform us into the person that he's created me to be? I think today's a good day to make some decisions, right? I, I want not, not necessarily publicly. I mean, if you want to, that's, that's fine in this area of giving. But I think privately, in this area of giving, I, I would ask that you just spend some time talking to the Lord and, and maybe decide to give generously to the work of the Lord. Right? That, maybe that's the first thing. Maybe you've been withholding it. Uh, maybe, maybe you haven't seen a reason to give. I, I ask you to pray about that. Um, I ask you, if you're already giving at some level, would you decide to put personal wants aside and make a sacrifice to give to the Lord? Will you decide to do what God wants you to do in this area of giving? That's just between you and Him. I don't know. I don't ever know what anybody gives except the Bridgewaters. That's it. But it all starts when you surrender your life to Christ. And if you haven't surrendered your life to Christ, then you don't understand this, this idea of giving. And while you might not understand why someone wants, wants you to give something, you do understand that you have a need for a Savior. And that's where it all starts. And so if you're here today and you want to make that decision, uh, in just a moment the worship team's going to come and they're going to lead you in a song and you be ready to do that. You come forward and you give your life to Christ and you confess Him as the, the Son of God and you repent of your sins and you're baptized into Him. Um, if you've already made that decision though, would you consider just surrendering everything to Him? We're going to sing that song, I Surrender All. And and go ahead and come on up, guys. Uh, while we're getting ready to sing that song, let me tell you a story. I know uh, Queen Elizabeth has been in the news a lot. There's a lot uh, um, of you probably, big royal family fans or followers. Maybe some of you are not so much. But I thought it would be good to have a Queen Elizabeth story today. Uh, and it comes from the chaplain of the royal family. And the chaplain of the royal family tells a story about a conversation that he had with Queen Elizabeth where she said, I wish that the Lord would come in my lifetime. And the chaplain said, well, why? And the queen replied with quivering lips as her whole countenance lit up with deep emotion, the chaplain describes, because I should so love to lay my crown at his feet. One of the most powerful people in the world. Wanted to see Jesus in her lifetime, she says. So that she could lay her crown at his feet. To me, that's someone who gets it. That's someone who understands that anything that we can have or achieve in this lifetime really is irrelevant. What matters is what are we doing for him? I'm going to ask you to stand with me. We're going to sing this song, I Surrender All. And, and I say this, I've said this often uh, in the past when we've sung this song. Don't just sing it because it's the song. It's the time for the invitation. Don't just sing it to be singing it because that's the words that's on the screen. Would you make this your prayer this morning to sing, to pray to Him? I do. I, I surrender everything. Let's bow together.